At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Colin Brister not with me today. It's Brennan Chapman former Ole Miss football assistant director of player personnel. The former is what matters in that sentence because you're no longer in the game, right? That's right. Just out here being a normal citizen, normal uh, part of society now. When you get out of the game, is it kind of like a drug addict recovering? You would think you w- it would be because, you're. I mean, it's full go all the time. But for me, it really wasn't. I mean, I was the laziest I've ever been for about, probably the first month, month and a half afterwards, I went and uh, left Oxford. I didn't want to be in town after I resigned and went to my parents' house in Olive Branch and, and uh, really didn't do a whole lot of anything, man. I, I was sitting around watching TV and just kind of got to be normal, you know. Uh, took my grandmother to lunch two or three times, something that, you know, is normal to a lot of people, but with how much we work, or used to work, excuse me, uh, you know, it was, it was unique to me. And then, you know, I got to go watch the last probably 15 games of the season of my brother's high school basketball team. He's a junior in high school. And when I started working on Miss, he was 10 or probably not eight, I guess. And, uh, and I've only seen him play basketball five times in, in my life before, you know, I resigned. So I, I just kind of was normal, I guess, just, you know, went to the Grizzlies games and went to the movies and just stuff that, you take for granted, but you know, I had never actually gotten to do before. When did you know it was time? Uh, when I knew it was time was probably when he started bringing in his own people and you start making heavy decisions, you know, who you're going to take, who you're not going to take and communicating that to the kids. And, uh, and I wasn't a part of those conversations. And, I, and me and Lane had already spoken for coach Kiffin and he had told me that he was gonna let me stick around, but you know, uh, when he was doing that and uh, not communicating with me, but maybe communicating more with the people that he brought in, I knew that, you know, maybe he had put, I didn't want it to be a situation where maybe he'd been pressured to keep me 
and uh, or somebody had asked him to keep me, and uh, and then I was wasting a spot that you know he could have brought in somebody that he wanted, and uh, and and used him you know fully fully utilized him, and I didn't want to be you know uh, weighing him down anyway. I want Ole Miss to be successful in any way they can be. I grew up sitting in section E, you know, with my dad and grandpa and great uncle for 15 years, so. You know, I want Ole Miss to win, and if I, I didn't want to be a hindrance anyway. So when I felt like I wasn't being utilized and that uh, somebody else could do a better job in my chair, that's when I knew it was time. What were the conversations like with Kiffin when he first arrived and then when you knew it was time and you went in there to resign? What were the conversations then? Um, so it's a, a weird deal. Uh, we lose the Egg Bowl, and I'll just tell the full story here. Uh and I, you just had that sense that it was – it felt heavy. You know, every loss is heavy. The egg bowl always is, hurts when you when you lose. I've been through, you know, nine of those, now eight of those, and uh, eight egg bowl games. And we lose, and I didn't leave my house for three or four days. And my mom was texting me, checking in, and finally she was like, look, you need to go to Thanksgiving. I'm getting your grandparents, your sister, your nieces and nephews. We're going – meet us in Holly Springs. We're going to eat a steak dinner. I forget what the steakhouse's name is. And I was like, fine. So that's the first time I leave my house after the Egg Bowl, and we pull in to the parking lot, and I get a text. Actually, Ben, I take that back. I was You called me, and me and you were on the phone, and you gave me the heads up that you thought something was about to happen. And right after that, we got the text uh, that, you know, we we're going to have a team meeting. So I knew that we had been fired, and uh, so I walked in there. First time, I, like I said, first time I left my house, said, hey, guys, I got to go. Left the dinner, drove back to Oxford, where team meeting, they tell us, you know, Coach Luke's been let go and uh, walk out of the team meeting and get a phone call from a Pennsylvania number. And Coach Moorhead was on the phone and he said, Hey, look, I know that you're close to Coach Luke. I'm not going to ask you to do anything tonight, but I know you're going to get a lot of calls. I want to be the first coach to call you and want you to know that you got a spot here with me. So that happened quickly. I mean, obviously, my head's spinning. It happened quickly and, you know, things progressed quickly. Coach Moorhead's got to send my name into the conference to get it cleared. Uh, for them to be able to hire me. They offered me the job. Told Coach uh, Keith Carter that I was going to take the job, and uh, he said, well, just wait. I've got my guy. And uh, next day, Lane was uh, introduced or announced. Lane flies in. I met with him immediately after his press conference, and he said, uh, basically walked in his office. He had his agent in there with him, not Jimmy, but another guy from CAA. And he says, hey, uh, I just want you to know you can keep your same job and your same pay, and you can stay. And I said, well, I'll think about it. And he goes, what do you mean you'll think about it? And I said, well, you know, there's a lot there's a lot going into it. You know, I, I just need to think about it. And he said, are they offering you more money? And I was like, well, a little bit, but that's not really relative. And he was like, I'll pay you more. And uh, and this is literally our first conversation. He said, but you have to call Coach Moorhead right now and tell him you're turning down. So I called. You know, I grew up Ole Miss fan, went to school at Ole Miss, and it was going to be tough, but – Coach Moorhead was super guy to me, and uh, so I called Coach Moorhead that night and let him know I was going to stay. And then me and Lane did not speak again until I went in his office on January, I don't know, fifteenth, sixteenth. So a little bit over a month later, uh, when I told him I was going to resign, and he said, basically, I went in there and said, "Hey, I just want to let you know, I feel like it's time for me to move on." Uh, we hadn't spoke since the day I sat in your office. And went through the spiel, and he said, can I change your mind? I said, well, I, I'm pretty made up my mind about it. And he said, no, I really haven't slept in three days thinking about it, and I've pretty much made up my mind. And he said, well, take two weeks to think about it, and if you change your mind, you got a spot. And I don't know, I guess Monday after that, it broke online on one of the message boards that I would resigned, and after that, I just rolled with him. Me and Lane never spoke again after that, so – uh, I know he's going to do well. I mean, he's going to do really well at Ole Miss. And uh, I, I just wanted, um, you know, that, that was really – me and Lane only had two conversations. The, when he taught me to stay in and I told him I was leaving. That was it. So, But just seeing him interact in staff meetings with the players and stuff, you can just tell he's going to be very, very successful. You dodged a bullet with Moorhead, though. I did. And, uh, and that was actually fed to me by somebody that – you know, if they lose the bowl game, he may not make it. That's why that fed heavily into led heavily into me not taking the job and staying at Ole Miss was that I was told that if they lose the bowl game, they're not going to make it. So, you know, I told uh, when I turned them down, and my, my I have two really good friends at state that were retained, uh, Mike Villagrana and uh, Matt Wilson, and 
those two guys, you know, I kept in close contact with them. And then once they lost the bowl game and I saw everything shake out after that, I was like, you know, that'd been terrible if I got fired twice in 30 days. <laughs> uh, I probably would have. I may not have ever worked in any job again. You know, I may, <laughs> I may have just filed for unemployment and sat at home after that. Yeah, that's tough, man. And here's the thing that a lot of people, even me, don't have access to is that behind the scenes kind of stuff. And when all of the firing of Matt went down, it was the way y'all lost the egg bowl, right? Cause going into that game in November, Thanksgiving, the coaches support staff, y'all felt pretty confident that y'all were safe for another year. Well, we felt we were confident for safe. We were safe for another year for sure. Uh, the egg bowl happened the way it, we lost was tough. And then, you know, uh, Thursday night, getting home Friday, Saturday, I was kind of 50, 50. I didn't know how, which way I was going to go. And then I really don't know if anybody knows the, the truth, the whole story of how everything shook out because, you know, I got up Sunday morning and coach Luke hits the road recruiting and I'm in contact with coach Siski. He was with coach Luke and he was like, yeah, he just got done me with Keith. Keith told him he's good. He said all that. And then obviously 12 hours after that, you know, he was let go. So I don't know what changed in that 12 hours after he met with Keith. Uh, so I, you know, Going in the egg bowl, we were safe. Sunday morning, we were safe. Sunday night, we were not. So I still, to this day, I don't know exactly what all happened, but that's for smarter people than me to figure out. Does it feel like cutting off an arm when you have that years-long process recruiting these kids, you develop relationships with them for three years, maybe going on four if they're that good, and then you're fired abruptly, those relationships are halted immediately. That's got to be a strange sensation, right? It was, but I was then in a situation where we were waiting for the head coach to be hired, which if y'all, if you remember, it, it felt like a drug out a long time. Yeah. And so I was keeping in contact with those kids. Like I said, I want them to be successful and just telling them, you know, Hey, regardless, you know, people will come and go. I'll come and go. The lights are still going to come on. They're still going to play on Saturday night, uh, barring the pandemic. And, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, but Ole Miss is going to stay, and the people around this university are going to stay. There's great people at Ole Miss and great people at Oxford. And um, so I was trying to keep in contact with those kids. And then uh, obviously I was there for a month with Coach Kiffin and then, you know, finishing out the December signing period and uh, keeping in contact with some of the high school coaches around the state, which really helped, you know, with kids like uh, Kentrell Bullock, Coach Bilderback, and me and his relationships, you know, that that was phenomenal. You know, he was very, very close with Derek. Uh, control Bullock was and then when controls let go and I was able to keep in contact with Coach Builder back in control you know I feel like that that weighed heavily on him being able to sign but uh that also weighed heavily on me wanting to leave you know some of those kids that we build a relationship with that we dropped because uh, you know I've, I've been at Ole Miss for eight years and got to know a lot of people around the state and I've got high school coaches calling me saying you know I never thought you would do this I never thought you would drop an in-state kid like this Brennan, this isn't who you are, and I'm sitting there, and it wasn't my decision. You know what I mean? And and I'm taking the flag for it and feel bad about it, but there's nothing that I can do. So uh, I don't know. I guess that that abrupt end weighed heavily in two different directions. I guess that's another thing too. When coaches, new coaches, come to a school, not only do they bring their own coaches, but they have their own evaluations of recruits. And I'm not going to say which coach it was, if it's a coach that left, if it's the only coach of Derek Nix that stayed. Not going to say who it happened to. But effectively, y'all had cut a prospect that didn't end up at Ole Miss. And this coach who had been recruiting that player got the call. And the head coach of that school was mad and going off on that coach. But that coach had no idea. And that's because... That's right. Yeah, you just... You don't have the rapport with the new coach. You have the old rapport with the old player and the old coaches. But... Really, it's a balancing act, and no one has the right answer for all of it. Uh, yeah, that's right. And the one that really did me in, we had one kid. He ended up signing with another Power 5 school, but you know, at the mid-year signing day, he puts out a statement. He's going to be signing on Wednesday morning. He fly, you know, He's got aunts and uncles driving in, grandparents. You know, the school has kids out of class. Uh, you know, they got the banquet hall set up, and all of a sudden he doesn't get papers. And that kid calls me in tears and he says, you promised me you'd never lie to me. And you lied to me. I never got the papers. So I didn't even know. Yeah, I work in the recruiting office, you know, and I didn't even know he wasn't getting papers. And, uh, and I don't know. After that, those conversations are hard. And, you know, I, I sat there a couple of nights after that, weeks after that, just, you know, is this really what I want to do? Is this really what I want to do the rest of my life? And, 
uh, and it was, it was hard, you know, it was definitely hard. It's the first time I've gone through something like that. I've been blessed, you know, eight years in college football to not go through something like that. So it was difficult and, uh, made me see the other side of it a little bit, but, you know, fortunately every kid that, that almost, you know, that we didn't, that, uh, coach Kevin didn't take or didn't agree with the evaluation on, they all signed with another power five school. Every single one of them, except for I want to say one, uh, and he ended up signing with a group of five. So, um, it worked, ended up working out long-term for all those kids. So, that, yeah, that's something you can take uh, – makes you feel a little bit better about. Well, coaches bringing their own guys makes it even more remarkable that Derek Nix has survived three of them. Three different firings and hirings, and Derek is still at Ole Miss. Now he's coaching wide receivers. But that's remarkable, man. That never happens. It's unprecedented. No, well, let me tell you this. Just being in that building for eight years, how many assistants come and go, graduate assistants come and go, off-field staff. I mean, we, there's been – between GAs and off-field staff, I think there's we're up to like 10 or 15 since 2012 that are position coaches at other schools now. So what I'm saying is there's been a ton of great coaches come and go. Derek Nix, for me, is in the top three of my favorite people that I've worked with. Uh, just his personality, uh, the way he recruits, the way he treats everybody. When I was a student assistant that didn't matter to anybody, you know, I might as well have been mopping the floor. Uh, Coach Nix was buying me dinner. Coach Nix was giving gas money. You know what I mean? Like, he always cares about everybody in the building. Him, Tom Luke, and Barney Fair are the three greatest human beings that you will ever meet on the face of planet Earth. And I'm, he deserves everything good that happens to him. I mean, he really does. And it translates into recruiting the way he treats people, the way he treats high school coaches, the way he treats parents, the way he treats kids. I mean, there's a reason he's been he survived so many coaching changes, and it's because he's the best at what he does. I mean, he really is – if he wasn't in football, he'd be doing something great because he's one of the most genuinely great human beings you will ever meet in your life. It was meant as more as a, of a compliment than anything. And the story. No, I'm not new that. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Busting your balls a little bit, buddy. But oh, you're good. the story that always makes me laugh is that I think, and if I was told this correctly, Kiffin in January didn't have a wide receivers coach. And he's looking around going, you know what? I need another strong in state recruiter. And somebody effectively said, well, you had one in Derek Nix. And I think it kind of gets brushed under the rug or because you get so used to one name and one guy for so long. If you're a fan hearing Derek Nix's name, or you miss out on cam Akers or whatever. And he justifiably or not gets all the blame. You have, you this, want me to say what happened with cam Akers? Yeah. I don't know if this has ever been reported. So cam Akers, we got on him when he was in, I mean, coach Nix knew about him in eighth grade and that kid was up there all the time. I can't tell you how many days I spent, with that kid at watching practice or just up here hanging out on campus. So basically Cam Akers' father had not always been around. His parents were separated and he'd been with his mother primarily. And I guess he was with his dad one Saturday and he shows up in Mississippi State on campus. And his mom called Ole Miss, Coach Nix, and said Mississippi State went through his dad. Um, I didn't know he was going to visit Mississippi State. He will never attend Mississippi State because of this. If you want to lose my son, involve his dad. And uh, we said, yes, ma'am, we understand. Uh, and we went through her. And then when uh, that day when he was signing at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, on the way to the press conference, he called us and told us he was coming with us. Gets to the press conference, his dad's there. His dad told him he wanted to sign, wanted him to sign with Florida State, and that's what he did. So we honored what his mother said, that's what we lived with. And uh, his dad ended up winning out in the end. So that's the very shortened version of what happened with Cam Akers. I'll say that going into that conference, that press conference, because I rode down there to Jackson with Chase Parham, and neither one of, us, one of us felt very good about it. And we get down there, and we walk into the building, and it's before everything was set up. And it took so long to get this thing set up. But I was talking to, let's just say, three people really close to his recruitment, because I don't want to bust anybody out. And all three of them said he's going to Ole Miss. That was the belief. He was going to Ole Miss. I don't know what happened, but you are right. The general sentiment from everybody, not only media in the room there, but on y'all's side of it, when you're dealing with it every single day, every single minute, hour, whatever, was that the kid was going to Ole Miss. And I fully believe <laughs> that running backs are overvalued as far as – the impact they get, but this kid was really good, and he really kind of screwed himself going to Florida State because at Ole Miss he'd have been featured from day one. And uh, not to say that he right. didn't have a good enough Florida State career, but he kind of got lost in the shuffle in the coaching change when at Ole Miss. I mean, you put him in there, 
How good would he have been? I mean, if you go back and look at it historically, before Cam Akers, I'd been there 12, 13, four, I don't know, four or five sign classes. I want to say there have been maybe two kids that have gone out of state that, you know, if they had Ole Miss and Mississippi State offer, they went to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. They didn't go out of state. I think Jeremy Liggins went out of state. Dion Mix went to Auburn. Jermaine Whitehead went to Auburn. Uh, outside of that, I can't off the top of my head remember anybody that we lost to an out-of-state school. But then since then, it seems like he opened the floodgates. You know, he when other Mississippi kids saw him do it, they're like, well, it's okay to do it. You know what I mean? And uh, it seems like since him, you know, there's been a lot of kids that you see pop up at Alabama or Auburn or LSU or Georgia, you know, wherever else. And uh, But before him, I don't, I just don't feel like that was the case. Maybe it's revisionist history, but I just don't remember it being that way. Why is Auburn such a pain in the ass of Ole Miss recruiting? Coach Woodson. It's just Marcus Woodson. If Marcus Woodson was not at Auburn, none of those Mississippi kids would be at Auburn. Point blank, period. That's a fact. All right. Well, I bring up D-Nix because D-Nix in this state, you worked with him every day. You have nothing but high praise for him. But if you had to evaluate him fairly as far as his abilities as a recruiter in this state and how important it is to have somebody like him on the staff, what would you say? Paramount. Is for the things that you can control within the building, there's no one better than Derek Nix. Now, we can go as deep on this as you want to, but... Yeah, go as deep you as you want. we got an hour, man. Let's say it like this, and then you tell me if you want me to keep going. Everything that he can control, he's the best at. When it gets out of his control, uh, some other schools are better at that than us right now. That's Does that make sense? To, yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, we could name names. I guess we won't. We'll get right back to former Ole Miss football assistant director of player personnel Brennan Chapman in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy. As we all deal with the fallout from the coronavirus pandemic, one thing we're all trying to do, make sure our dollar goes further than it ever has before. Well, good thing for you if you're in the market for a new car, truck, or Jeep, Alan Samuels They were already looking out for you financially to meet each and every one of your needs, whatever those needs may be. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. As communities across the world deal with the coronavirus pandemic, it has never been more important to have a pharmacy you can trust. And the only pharmacy for you in Oxford is Cheney's Pharmacy. Not only is Cheney's Pharmacy filled with supporters of Ole Miss Athletics, but more than that, Cheney's, a fixture in this Oxford community, offers you anything and everything you'll need in your pharmacy. From prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time, Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy, and that's important, locally owned, that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and they provide the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or you can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at ChaneysePharmacy.com. Right now, each and every one of us have our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. All right, so you, you get let go. When y'all first hear the news that Matt's going to be fired, what was the general reaction from everybody? I mean, obviously, sadness and anger and all that stuff, but was it complete shock? Yes and no. It was. We were shocked at how it happened because, like you said, you don't go on the road recruiting on Sunday after you have the men's athletic director, and you think you're safe. You know what I mean? And then, I mean, we. This is point cold hard fact we had a coach that was in a recruit's house and the recruit's dad is on his phone and looks at coach uh, who i won't say and says hey uh are you okay and he goes what do you mean he goes i mean it's all over twitter that y'all just got fired and he goes what i mean that's how we found i found out on twitter uh that coach found out that way um like I said, uh, we did not have a meeting with anybody from Ole Miss 
uh, that about us being fired until Friday, you know, six days after we're fired or coach Lucas fired. Um, so it was disbelief because we didn't hear from my, it was all via social media, Twitter, you know, or people calling to check in on us. Um, but me personally, when we lost egg bowl, I, I could feel it in my gut that it was over. You know what I mean? Like I knew on the bus ride home, I had my head on the headrest on the bus seat in front of me, uh, headphones in. And I just knew I, I could feel it was over. You know what I mean? I was like, I, I didn't, you always have this plan in your head on every bus ride, you know, next, next game, or if the season's over, you know, Hey, how am I going to talk to the recruits about this? How am I going to talk to so-and-so about this? How's this next class going to make sure this doesn't happen again? And just sit on that bus ride. First time in eight years of college football that I was like, ah, it, it feels like it's over. You know what I mean? That, and then, so I believed it in that sense, but the sense of how it happened, it was shock at the same time. Well, that game was so gross. One of my biggest criticisms of Matt, because everybody to a man likes Matt. That's not the issue. It was about on-field results. And one of the things that I never could quite get over is games in which y'all were competitive or maybe favored, and you'd lose those games. Even if you were close, you were leading, whatever. You could never quite win those games. It was always about, well, it's going to come, it's going to come, and it never came. And like the Mississippi State game, the Egg Bowl, that was one of those games, but it was in such embarrassing fashion. And I think that's what turned it for a lot of people that might have otherwise – been on the on the side of okay, give Matt one more year. Once it ended like that, those people said no, I can't do it, and the whole situation became untenable for everybody. Well, it was chaos. So we we score, tie the game. Everybody's jumping around on the sideline, um, excited. We get the penalty, back it up, miss extra point. Game's over. We did not. I'll tell you this is a fact. Myself. And I know for a fact, three or four other position coaches did not know that he hiked his leg until we got on the bus after the game and saw it on Twitter. So, you know, you throw him back out there on the hands team. We didn't know that he hiked his leg. You know what I mean? So uh, the optics of that were horrible, putting him back in. But here's the thing. He scores that touchdown, drops the ball, hands it to the referee, whatever. And he's a great kid. I texted him that night, him and Luke Logan both. Told him, you're not defined by this. You're a great kid. You're going to have a great career. You're going to have a great life. This is not who you are. He's, Elijah Moore is going to make a lot of money playing football. I mean, he's a great kid. I mean, he, he's somebody you'd want your daughter to date. Great guy. But if he if he hands the ball to the referee there and runs off the field and Luke Logan still misses the extra point, we probably don't get fired. Is that fair? That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know. That's great. That's a hey, great I, because I would say no, it was the is the embarrassing optics. Yeah, I'm not saying what he did was embarrassing. I'm saying the optics of yeah. how he lost were embarrassing. And then uh, I, I can remember, you know, that was Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, being at the office and talking to other coaches and being like, "Man, we we need another big news story to happen fast." Because I mean, it was on Fox News, it was on CNN, it was on. I mean, the, people who are Ole Miss graduates who aren't overly involved in sports when they turn on Fox News and they see him talking about this kid hiking his leg, you know, all, all of a sudden they want to be involved in athletics and they want to call and express their opinion. You know what I mean? Because they feel embarrassed that their university is involved in a story like that. So, um, but I can just remember sitting there talking about, hey, we need another story badly. We need somebody to do something. We need a big upset, something. We need to get this out of the news. And it just never happened. It circled for three days. And then obviously, it, you know, it culminated with us being fired. But uh it was a it was a crazy game. I'll definitely say that. You know, I, walking off the field right after it happened, uh, and the the state coaches that I knew grabbed me, just being in state recruiting against them for so long. And they said, "Hey, man, hell of a game." But I knew that in their minds, they just saved their their jobs. You know what I mean? And then even in their minds, you know, our jobs weren't at risk. But uh, that's that's how it shook out. You know what I mean? So it was just it was a crazy unbelievable night something i'll remember forever is it fair the criticism i've had of matt that yes loyalty is a great virtuous trait and all that kind of stuff and being a good person but keeping phil and wesley mcgriff was just a catastrophic mistake for him as far as long-term viability as head coach i don't think so i think that uh yeah i mean obviously um, Phil left here and went to North Carolina and had a good year. I mean, they they won six, seven games. I was with him at the coaches' convention back in January. Texted with him, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. They had a good year. They went to a bowl game. Team that, I don't know, I think they only won 
three or four games here before, something like that. But they went to a bowl game and uh, had a had a solid year offensively. He had a true freshman quarterback and still put up good numbers. And I mean, uh, and then Weston went to Auburn and obviously their secondary played well. Both of those guys are going to have good career, um, good careers. Excuse me. A lot of people don't like to talk about this, and it's going to sound like excuses. But we were playing with seventy-two scholarship players, and then you got guys get injured, and but dude, all of a sudden you're down. Dude, you know, Wesley's defense was historically awful. It wasn't great, but at the same time, have you ever seen a mule win the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> yeah, but was the talent that, that bad defensively? That there was bad. a talent gap. Yeah. There was a talent gap. We have some good players. There's some great kids. But the depth was not there. You know, when you uh, get in the fourth quarter, and I think you saw it a lot with Coach Luke, you know, and regardless of who we're playing, South Carolina, the first, I don't know if that was first or second year, we were in games in the third and fourth quarter of Auburn this past year. But then all of a sudden, another team would pull away, Texas A&M at A&M. And that's when depth shows up. You know, we're playing guys, when you run the numbers after the game, we're playing guys 80, 90, 100 snaps. And, you know, Auburn, Alabama, A&M, they're playing guys 50, 60 snaps, and their twos are playing 30, 40 snaps. And our guys are having been there the whole time because we don't have any twos. And uh, that that shows up. So we were able to be in games but not necessarily close out games. Uh, that was the difference. And I really do believe that Wesley and Phil will both have good careers, and whether they're coordinators, you know, whether they can – you know, Phil is represented by Jimmy. I think Wesley is too, actually. They both may have been head coaches because of that. So, Oh, Jimmy got know, paid now from Ole Miss. I mean, Jimmy's the best at what he does, man. <laughs> Jimmy's good at what he does. So they uh, they both will have great careers. And you look back at it, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick were on the same coaching staff for the Chicago – I mean, uh, excuse me, the Cleveland Browns Brennan, and got fired. Brennan, Brennan. Longo had hey. Tiamu, A.J., DK, Scotty Phillips, Dawson Knox never scored a touchdown. He had Javon Patterson. Yeah. He had some had Sean Rollins. There's a lot of great kids on the team. But uh, he put up numbers uh, in certain games. You know, he did. He did a great job uh, at certain times. He just wasn't always consistent, which is fair. You're a good but, soldier. Uh, You're a good soldier. Yeah, they're, they're great guys, man. They're, and they're going to have great careers. All right. All right. The biggest recruiting miss was who? Nakobe. Did y'all think y'all had him? Um, Nakobe was a weird recruit the whole time. The whole time. Uh, his dad, very similar to Cam, not always around. His dad lived in Florida. Nakobe obviously was in Horn Lake. Um, his parent, his mom lived in Horn Lake at the time. No longer does. Um, Aaron at Sluice can look into that one. Um, but uh, Nakobe was a hard kid to get a read on. His mom was very straight edge. His dad was not. Uh, he's a very unique recruit in that situation uh, where you have, you know, mom was with him most of the time and she was academics. This is what's important. And dad was more, hey, what can you, uh, what is, uh, how does this benefit the whole family, I guess. And so, uh, Nakobe was the biggest miss for sure. If we got Nakobe, it would have we would have got Radar. Um, I think we would have got Brandon Turnage because all those kids kept in contact with each other. We were texting night before signing day. Um, I think we had Nakobe the week before signing day. I think when Georgia missed on several other kids, it made what they were able to um, present to Nakobe. I'm just gonna say, it, what they were able to pay Nakobe uh, made a big difference right there when they missed on those other kids. They were able to pile a lot of money together. What's with these Oxford kids going out of town now? I get the whole, I don't want to be. Okay, so for example, I'm from New Albany. If there was a New Albany college, I would not want to go to New Albany college. I get that. But is there something to not being able to hold on to Brandon Turnage or J.J. Piggies, just these kids from Oxford that go somewhere else? Well, was Jeremy Liggins before him. There was a tight end. Yeah. Well, Liggins, uh, I was there before. on the square at Ira on the square, and that whole thing was just a disaster, the whole deal. Hey, and you were around before me. There was, a, and I'm drawing a blank here. There was a defensive back, and who was Brandon Turnage's trainer in high school? Justin Woodall. There you go. So, uh, some of it factors in. Now, what these kids don't understand is, you look at great friend of mine, Romero Miller, uh, State Farm Insurance and in Olive Branch. When Romero opened his State Farm branch, I canceled my car insurance and moved to him, and I paid thirty-five dollars more a month to go to him because why? 
because he played quarterback at Ole Miss because he was one of our guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mississippi is going to take care of Mississippi kids forever and for always. But when you go out of state and you go to Alabama and it doesn't work out and you don't make the NFL, you're just another guy. You know what I mean? And the Mississippi people aren't necessarily going to remember you then. You know what I mean? And uh, that's what these kids don't understand. And we tried to tell them and hammer away at them, but they just – it doesn't. It doesn't uh, compute to them. Nigel, not just. Uh, I believe he just transferred out of them. I haven't been keeping up with everything as much mm-hmm. as I have been. But I mean, that's a kid that you know. He was a highly rated kid. If he gone to, he was. If he'd gone to Mississippi State or Ole Miss, he could have wrote his own ticket. You know what I mean? And and been successful in the state the rest of his life. But as I'm telling you, camp makers open the floodgates, and there's been a slew of kids go out of state since then. And uh, I think that there will be people who. You know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now, I'll look back and say, damn, you know, if I'd stayed in state, what could I have, even if their career wouldn't have been the same, what could my, you know, long-term longevity have been like as a businessman, as a as a dad, as a family member, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. Mississippi is a great state, and they do a great job of taking care of their own, but once you leave, you're not one of their own anymore. And uh, I don't know. I, well, I, I, I think I've completely missed the question. I think it was about kids leaving from the city of Oxford. No, it's but, fine because it brings up a good question that I had about Nigel Knott. Didn't he come on his official visit the weekend, I think, before signing day and acted terribly? And that led to the kind of the decision for Freeze to cut him? He didn't. He was acted disinterested. I think he knew in his head he was going to Alabama. And uh, he was just, you know, when we're going on tours, he was not paying attention, had headphones on, sleeping you know, laying against the wall when we're in a meeting room, you know, and it was very obvious to everybody in that room that he wasn't coming here and that he didn't want to be on the visit. I think he wanted to come on the visit to party. He didn't want to come on the visit to see Ole Miss. And, uh, yeah, we made the decision to move on from after that. Good kid. I mean, I, thank God I'm not judged judge for anything I did when I was 17. <laughs> I was you know going to I mean? say, it's really fun to come party in Oxford. That's right. And thank God I'm not, you know <laughs> – like what was that? Seven, eight years? I don't know, five, six years ago. Oh God, man, it's been a long time. It has, and then all the years run together. So, has any kid not gone to Ole Miss? High profile kids. You don't have to name names, but a year into it, a year and a half into it, hit you up a guy that you had a relationship with for four years, recruiting him, and said, "Man, I, I really screwed up here." Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. We just talked about one of them, and I won't say which one it was. We just talked about. Uh, but he was texting throughout the entire fall. And I was like, hey, man, you can't be texting me. And he was like, I'm ready to leave this school. What do I do? I said, hey, uh, I'm not allowed to talk to you. It's a violation. Uh, but I'd have somebody else get in contact with him and tell him, hey, go tell the head coach. And they wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? And I knew that they weren't going to do it. They didn't, it was a kid that had committed to a school early and didn't want to be at that school, but didn't have the backbone to go tell that coach he didn't want to be at that school. So once he got there, I knew he still wasn't going to have the backbone to go tell that coach he didn't want to be at that school. You know what I mean? But it happens very, very frequently. And basically, anytime an out-of-state kid leaves Mississippi and doesn't play right away, they don't want to be there, period. Is there a kid that shocked you by not coming to Ole Miss? <sighs> yes, there's been tons of them. Jeffrey Simmons, when he signed with Mississippi State, shocking uh, Cam Akers was shocking to us. Uh, in a sense, Nakobe was shocking because, you know, the week before, the night before he was telling us he was coming. Um, there, I mean, there's been plenty. And, and you never remember the ones that you get. You remember the ones that you miss. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then there was, there, was, there was a ton that were just like absolute gut punches. I mean, the year, I think it was a 2016 class, we signed, I don't know, number three or four class in the country. And, the I mean it was a gut punch when we lost Jeffrey and uh it, it almost dampened the whole day. Uh we Jeffrey was with us. Jeffrey had been telling us he was coming since he was in ninth grade up until ten AM that morning. We get AJ about thirty minutes after we get AJ, Jeffrey's texting how awesome that is, how excited he is to come be an Ole Miss Rebel and then all of a sudden he goes dark. We can't get in touch with him. His signing day press conference gets pushed back and we're calling them, can't get them. Calling uh, coaches down there in Knoxville, can't get them. And Coach Shorter, and uh, all of a sudden, he pops up and signs Mississippi State. I mean, that one was just yeah, – I mean, literally, for a month before it, he said, it's y'all in Alabama. It's y'all in Alabama. I'm not going to Mississippi State. It's y'all in Alabama. It's y'all in Alabama. 
and then get to a week out it's y'all i'm coming with you uh what about alabama Iowa, alabama's out what about mississippi state hell no i'm not going to mississippi state and then he signed mississippi that was the most jeffrey's the most shocking by far and it's what he said afterwards, too, to the media, whoever, basically saying that Ole Miss wasn't even in his final three, which went against everything y'all were hearing, what we were hearing on this side of it. It just made no sense. I mean, because I remember back then when I covered recruiting, we used to put in our projections. And in the 2013 class, I went nine for nine on signing day. And so I was feeling yeah. feeling myself, right, saying, oh, okay, I got this down pat. I know how this recruiting game works. And I put in my projection for Jeffrey Simmons for Ole Miss really early, but – all of the information I'd gotten in years before had come out right in that respect. And then here comes Jeffrey and totally blew the whole thing up. That's right. I'll say this. When you follow college recruiting, college football recruiting, which I have since Ed Orgeron's Joe McKnight year, basically really got me following recruiting, really made me want to do that for a career. And uh, when you follow recruiting, you think, hey, getting more high-profile guys will help you get other high-profile guys. And then a college football utopia, that's right. But if we don't get A.J. Brown, we would have got Jeffrey Simmons. But by us getting A.J. Brown, it helped Mississippi State be able to do other things to get Jeffrey Simmons. I would take A.J. all day. No question. A.J. is him and his father, uh, Mr. Arthur, are the greatest rebels you'll ever meet in your life. I'll tell you this. A.J. leaves early, obviously goes to the NFL. A.J.'s dad was still in close contact with all the guys in AJ's class all throughout the season, hey, finish your strong. Hey, this is, remember we talked about leading up to signing day. You're still the guys that can do this. And he would call me and say, hey, I just got on the phone with so-and-so. And uh, this is what he's talking about. You may need to check in on him. Like his his dad was so fully invested in Ole Miss. It was one of, he's one of my favorite recruit parents of all time. I can't be convinced that AJ, when all the shit hit the fan and the NCAA ruling comes down and all these kids know, if I leave, they're going to give me a blanket waiver and I'm going to be able to do what I want to do and go and not be ha- be having a sit. Just I can transfer without penalty. AJ comes out and does the Wolf of Wall Street video. Public declaration, I'm staying. He doesn't do that. There is a real possibility things fall apart completely. He saved that whole thing. He did. Uh, I don't know how many kids would have left in total. I think... Uh, There's one I got in my mind that been... stayed that had he left, it would have been devastating. And I think AJ was a big part of him staying. Greg? A different position. Uh, the Kalen? Yes. Yeah, so I think that that one was more real than people realized. But yep. I think that AJ staying helped a lot. And uh, I don't think it would have been a mass exodus by any means. I don't think it would have been 15. But I think that there would have been, you know, three, four maybe key players. But I think AJ publicly, emphatically stating that he was staying and that it's okay to stay. You know what I mean? And that's the – Going back to what we were talking about Kobe earlier, that's all we were missing in the 19 class was one of those big guys to say, hey, it's okay to go to Ole Miss. You know, that's, what, that's literally what Robert did in the 12 class. Robert knew he was coming and told Gray, I mean, I'm sorry, Laramie and Laquan and Tony, you know, those guys, hey, I'm going to Ole Miss. He made it okay to go to Ole Miss. That's what we need one guy to do in 19, and that's what A.J. did in the transfer year. You know, he, hey, it's okay to say. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world if you say. Yeah, AJ was big for it. And the thing that really no uh, stuck out to me as far as that group is, and I've said this to Jordan, probably to DK, maybe to AJ too, that yes, they didn't go to a bowl. And thank God that AJ and DK in their rookie years both made the playoffs. That was great. But yeah, they didn't go to a bowl, but they made themselves among the most beloved Ole Miss Rebels ever. And it'll never change because they stayed. There's no doubt. I mean, you look at teams that have got multi-year bowl bands in the last 15 years, and there's not many. I think there's five. I want to say it's us, Miami. Miami has not been the same since their multi-year bowl band. USC. USC has not been the same since their multi-year bowl band. Alabama got one in the early 2000s. It took them, I don't know, close to a decade to get them back to being the same. You know, so there, there's not many teams that have gotten that. And when you get it, it is hard to overcome. And it could have been really, really, really bad and those guys, by staying and bowing their neck at the NCAA and everybody else, it made, it, made them want to leave. You know what I mean? They made it where the, the gap of uh, rebuilding is not going to be near as long. Going to break in briefly in this edition of Talk of Champions with former Ole Miss football assistant director of player personnel, Brennan Chapman, to tell you if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud, Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. When you do go to iTunes... 
leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, what you write, as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Mosquito Marshals. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have firsthand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. You brought up Jeffrey. The person, yeah, you took it tough. Everybody in that room took it tough. No one took it tougher than Barney. Barney Fair was scapegoated. Barney Fair was uh, basically offered as an offering to the NCAA and the SEC, and Barney fell on the sword for Ole Miss, and there should be a statue of Barney Fair outside the stadium because he is – Barney Fair, if I grew up to be like Barney Fair, I'm going to be doing way better than I ever expected to be because he is – there's nobody better as a human being – as a person who cares more about the kids, who cares more about other people, me second than Barney Fair. And he just got absolutely raked over the coals over something that was not his fault that he was. And, um, he, he fell on the sword and he, I'm telling you, that guy right there is a saint living among us. If you're a Mississippi state fan, Ole Miss fan, Southern Miss fan, if you're a fan of any no school, co- you know, junior college, power five school in the state, and you're dumping all over Barney or not putting respect on his name and trashing him after the Ole Miss stuff, buddy, he knows where every single body is buried. For every school. I'll tell you this. I was with Barney the night. Barney, and this was one of my many beefs with the how the, everything was handled by Ole Miss through the whole NCAA deal. Barney found out that he had been let go when it was tweeted in a statement by Ole Miss. That's how he found out. So I was with Barney that day. I helped him clean out his office. I helped him pack everything into his car. And he was getting phone calls from Ed Orgeron and, you know, coaches at Mississippi State and coaches at Auburn and coaches. And everybody in the country respects him because of who he is as a person and how he handles himself and how he cares about the kids. And uh, I was literally in the room with him at one point when everything was first going on. And there was coaches from three different schools. And I'm not saying there weren't more, but when I was with him saying, hey, you know I wasn't the one who told, right? Just want you to know that. Don't think that I'm out to get you because those coaches were worried that he knew about them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he – and he never did anything to get anybody else. You know what I mean? He just he just took it and, and walked away and went and coached junior college football and is impacting kids there. And uh, I'm telling you, man, he, he's a better man than me because I probably wouldn't handle it the way he did. Where were you draft night 2016? Draft night 2016, it was a it was hilarious. Uh, we had an all staff meeting that morning. So Ross and Keith has continued to does this deal where once a month on Wednesdays they get the whole athletic department to, together for an hour. It feels like five. And they have a guest speaker, usually some lame person. And Ross got up there in front of everybody, and in typical fashion was like, "Hey, make sure you have every recruit, regardless of what sports you are, watch the draft tonight. Oh, it's gonna be a great night for Ole Miss." Oh my god, he did. Fact. And uh, so I go out to dinner with some people that night, walked over to Funky's, was having a daiquiri, watching the draft. Uh, they don't have the volume on. So I leave and I go to Sean Patterson's house. And uh, obviously all the Laramie stuff comes out. I'm calling Coach Kiffin because he was up there. He's not answering the phone. And Laramie finally gets picked on, like 13th by the Dolphins. Right. And Pat Forty tweeted, smoke them if you got them, Dolphins. And I tweeted back at him and said, grow up, Peter Pan. And you called me and said, delete your tweet. Did I? And I said, you did. And I said, why? 
and you're like, uh, Instagram. I was like, I don't care. It's funny. And you're like, no, Laramie's Instagram. I said, he's not our problem right now. He got drafted. And he said, no, go look at his Instagram. So I go look at it, see the text. And I called John Miller, who was named in the text messages or was in the text messages. I said, hey, coach, have you seen Laramie's Instagram? And he goes, what's an Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I tell him him what they say. And he said, well, can you delete it? I said, no, sir. That's not how Instagram works. And uh, he was like, gosh, get to my house. So I drive out to his house. And uh, with him for a few hours, leave there, drive up to IPF. I'm with Barney from midnight till about six or seven in the morning and uh, have a couple more hours for they eventually come to take his phone where we're doing some things. And uh, Coach Freeze called and said, have you heard from Miller? And I said, no, sir. And he said, well, he's supposed to be meeting me at the airport. Uh, we're going golfing, but he's not answering the phone. He's not answering the phone because when everything happened, Ross Bjork called him and told him to come turn his phone and iPad. And uh, when Miller said there's a simple explanation to all this, which there is, Ross said, I don't want to hear it, and made Miller just hand him his stuff. What was the uh, – all of that is amazing, man. What is the uh, simple explanation for it? For people who don't know, I know what it, it is, but for people who don't know. It was the Opportunity Fund. It really was. So the, the SEC has something called the Opportunity Fund, which basically is very broad – uh, you get, I want to say it was two, uh, Tom Luke handled it, handles it for us now or handled it for us when I was there. Um, but it basically very broadly, you get two times a semester where incidental and, and, and uh, fees, you need money, whether it's clothing expenses. Hey, I'm going to a banquet. I need a suit. Hey, I need, uh, my car broke down, whatever. The SEC has something called an opportunity fund where you can use money for it. And that was one of those things that we used it for, um, was that, he needed money. Now he needed it for his mom's electric bill. We may have done it at the same time. He may need a suit. So we give him the $500 for the suit and whatever he then uses the $500 for is not our problem. You know, he told us he needed a suit, but that was the simple explanation is we had done an opportunity fund that dated perfectly with both text messages, but in their infinite wisdom, the administration at the time did not put out a statement that said that because they didn't want to hear it. Uh, basically, they just said, hey, uh, I don't want to hear it. Turn your stuff and don't talk to me. Do you know who torpedoed Laramie on draft night? I don't. I wish I did. I don't. I've heard some things, but no one knows for sure. It's bizarre. It's like no one wants that to come out on any side of it. Uh, I feel like if they're able to do that to Laramie, I don't want to know what they could do to me, so I try to stay out of it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. What I've said is that that incident – provided cover for the NCAA to expand its investigation into Ole Miss, it excused it away. They already wanted to do it, and because that happened draft night, such a high-profile incident, it allowed them cover to dig in even more and to get the immunity stuff and all that. Because in June, after the draft, later that June, no, July, I hit up Ross Bjork and basically said, hey, look, this is what someone is putting out there. And he said, no, Ben, if they're looking into anything outside of Laramie Tunsil on draft night, we don't know about it. And sure enough, That's right. a month later, immunity interviews with Leo and Kobe. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what's true about that and that people don't talk about. The NCAA went to three different schools and said, hey, I'm going to talk to your guys. And we're going to give them immunity. And Mississippi State said, absolutely, go ahead. Uh, Dan Mullen down there did that. I want to say Auburn allowed him to also, and Nick Saban, for all the negativity he gets, told the NCAA basically to to kick rocks and did not allow them to talk to any of the guys that we had recruited, um, told them to leave. They asked to talk to Siski as well, from what I understand, and Saban told them no. Uh, but the other two schools opened with, you know, welcomed them with open arms. But uh, No, I'm shocked, was, man. No, Freeze and Malzahn are best friends, right? I don't know Gus that well. I know people who have worked for him that would tell you stories that would make you not think he's a great guy. But I'll tell you this. Coach Freeze gets a bad rep with Ole Miss fans for how everything ended. But we had some great years there. And he was good to me. And he's a good guy. And he's called me since everything happened multiple times and checked in. Coach Luke was really, really good to me. Phenomenal guy. 
and that is the exception. That is not the norm in college football. There's mo- the majority of head coaches are paranoid and rude and don't care about anybody in the building except for themselves. And that was the and I was very fortunate that I worked for two head coaches in a row. They were that way. In fact, I'll tell you this: I had a coach in another school tell me uh, this was 2017 when Coach Luke had finally, had just gotten the, the head coaching job permanently. They said, "Hey, enjoy it." because you probably won't ever get it again the rest of your career. And, uh, oh, you know, the, the scoreboard business we're in, and it wasn't always, obviously, at the end, it didn't, you know, do enough to keep us around. But Ole Miss fans can at least take some, you know, happiness knowing that they had some great people representing them day to day. So, I'll give Freeze this. We've talked in the last month and a half, two months. I don't know. Days are all running together in quarantine here. And – uh he still cares way too much about Twitter, and that's what did him in, his thin skin, trying to fight Mike Sheridan and worrying about Twitter and what people were saying rather than just effectively going, screw everybody. If you got something, come after me, but I'm not saying nothing. He's gotten a little bit better at it, though, but he's still a little too worried about what other people think, and that's what the problem was with Hugh. Because I don't think anybody – if you dealt with Hugh just in a normal circumstance, he was fine. It's when he thought you had slighted him. He just couldn't stand it, the idea that somebody didn't like him or said something bad about him. Well, that's just being human. And I, I put myself in issues. I'll probably be the same way. You know, I want everybody to like me. You're a multimillionaire uh, with an SEC head coaching job. Who gives a shit if somebody says something bad on Twitter? Yeah, but it's it's that's part of being – I mean, everybody that's listening to this podcast, everybody that I know personally has an Instagram, has a Facebook, has a Twitter – and that's everybody's highlight reel, right? I mean, you don't put, hey, I had a bad day today. Nobody puts that on Facebook. People put like, hey, well, look at this car I just bought. Hey, look at this vacation I'm on. And you do that because you want positive reaffirmation. So when these people, and I can't speak for Coach Freeze, I know myself, I struggled with it now. When I got on social media, especially after a loss, my college roommate uh, had, was tweeting something after one game, just talking bad about the coaching staff and when it changed and everything. And I was like, that's my college roommate. You know what I mean? And I didn't talk to him for three or four months. I mean, he would call me and text me and answer the phone. I took that personally. Not that he was, was he talking directly about me in a sense, maybe, but I took it personally. You know what I mean? And I, so I, I definitely can get it. I can't speak for coach freeze, but if I was in his shoes, you take it personally when you invest so much time into it. And it's something that you're so, I mean, you're taking time away from your family. You're taking time away from your kids um, and you're investing every soul ounce of your being into it, and then it doesn't go the way you want to, and that hurts. And then you have people that you may know personally, you may not know, talking bad about you. I mean, that, that just it's like taking out a scab, and it's uh, I don't know. It's I, I can definitely see where he would be that way. I mean, I would probably be the exact same way. So I can't fault him for that. You know what? That's fair. I can kind of get it now because you and I have talked for a long, long time. And I know the hours that you, that you worked don't work in like that anymore. You are working, hey, and we'll no. get to that in a second. But the hours that you work and the blood, sweat, and t- just everything you put into it, and you do put every bit of you into it, I can understand then why you'd have a little thin skin. I'd get that. But I think the ones that can uh, harden their skin and just let that kind of stuff roll off their backs can handle it better. Last one here. Your biggest gripe with the NCAA during this investigation was what? It was the blatant, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I just want to get you. So they made it, it became personal. It was personal between some of our coaching staff and Mike Sheridan. And it was personal between Mike Sheridan wanting to get some of our coaching staff. And it was basically the inverted, this is what I'm going to get you for. And I'll stay as long as it takes until I get what I need to do it. I don't know what's happened to Mike Sheridan since then. I don't know. Yeah, what happened to that dude? Uh, Where is he now? I don't know if he's still in Civil A. I don't know if he's alive. Um, I don't know. If he is alive, you know, if I walked past him on the street, I wouldn't hit him, but I wouldn't help him if he was on fire either. So, uh, I mean, just the, the way they handled those interviews, man, was they keep you in there for eight hours and not let you eat and ask you the same questions over and over. And you have you can have an attorney in there, but he's not allowed to speak. And it's they're the Gestapo, man, and it's – there's no due process. And, That's not uh, even basic, remotely approaching due process. Eight hours? Yep. And then, Ben, let me, let me ask you this. If they brought you in a room right now, and they had all your text records for yep. the last 10 years, and they said, 
Hey, Ben, in 2014, you were texting Brennan Chapman, and you, it was the morning of the Alabama game, and you said, how the Rebs looking? And you said, bet the house on the Rebs. Were you encouraging him to bet on sports? You know me, man. No. I wouldn't handle that well at all. No. Okay, well, let me ask you this, then. You get to um, the week before signing day, and Ben Garrett texts you and said, how are you looking with Tony Connor? And Brennan said, everything's looking good. Could get squirrely in the end. Was that Brennan asking you for help? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. and then they may just ask twisting like, everything, just even innocuous conversations. Well, but it, but it got worse. They'd be like, "Hey, uh, you text the Brennan said, how's everything in Batesville?'" And you said, "Everything's good." What did you mean when you said everything's good? Why did they you even know what have I mean? y'all's text exchanges though? You have to volunteer that stuff, and that's what I never got. That old oh, Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. Fully volunteered it. In fact, I'll tell you this. They came into our staff meeting right after Coach Freeze got fired where the interim year uh, during the season. Ross came in with the school attorney and said, here's a form. You all need to fill it out. I just learned, I didn't know this, that a lot of you all have personal phones outside of your school-issued phones. I need you to put down your uh, personal phone issued number and sign this form saying we have full access to any of your texts, phone calls, anything we want off your phone if we want it. And I put on the form, uh, you do not have access to this. If you have questions, I called my dad actually and got his uh, attorney's number that he uses for his business and said, you can call my personal attorney at this number. And I was Ross called, um, you know, people in the athletic department called, coaching staff people were telling me like, hey, you're drawing attention to yourself while you're doing this. I was like, that's none of their business. They cannot have my personal phone. No, God, I saw how they offered up Barney. I saw how they offered up Freeze. And basically, I don't know, and I guess it worked out for him. He's an AD at a Power 5 school, but, I mean, he he screwed everybody that was around him to help himself. But that's no talk for another time. So you're like Freeze, who mentioned to friends of mine that he believes that Ole Miss should have never fired him and stood behind him. <sighs> I do believe that it was going to be it was going it was going to come to a head at some point. And it was going to be Ross or Freeze, and Ross knew it, and Freeze knew it, and Ross was looking for a reason, and he found one. It, it's it, it's always that way in the athletic department world. When I got hired first at the beginning, I was an hourly employee, which is super illegal. They said, um, "Hey, you're you get eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, forty hours a week, log eight to five. That's what you worked." Now, log that in the summer, too, because I know you're going to work more than that, and um, and that'll make up for the time that you worked extra. They fired the cheerleading coach for logging weeks that she didn't work in the summer because uh, they said that was falsifying records. But that's what they told us to do in the athletic department orientation. That's all it is. If they want a reason, they'll find one. And everybody knew it was going to be Ross or Freeze. Everybody in the athletic department knew it. They didn't like each other. It was going to be Ross or Freeze. And uh, Ross was looking for a reason, and he found one. Lane can win here, though? Lane can win at Ole Miss because he's different than what Ole Miss has ever had. And he's probably what Ole Miss needs. Uh, he's, I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what you think. Uh, I don't want you around the building. I don't want you giving your input. And that's probably what Ole Miss needs. It's what Nick Saban did for Alabama. Nick Saban got there in 07 and basically told all the, the good old boys hanging around, said, hey, get out of here. I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what you think. Give your money and shut up. And those people are probably still a little bitter about it. And as soon as Nick Saban slips up, they're going to go after him about it. But fortunately for Nick Saban, he's not going to slip up. Uh, but that's what Kiffin's going to do. And it's probably what Ole Miss needs because there's not been somebody before him that, I, to my knowledge, is not in that way. So what are you doing these days, man? Right. I just moved to an apartment in downtown Memphis, uh, right off Main Street. I bought a little puppy. Um, I'm trying to keep out of trouble right now. And before too much longer, I'm going to get out. I'm going to go sell cars. Uh, I'm supposed to start on May 1st. I was going to start before that, but with all the craziness lately, I kind of backed it up a little bit. But I'm going to sell cars working for my dad at Homer Skelton Ford. Uh, it's actually my grandfather's dealership, Homer Skelton. Uh, so it'll be a third generation there. And uh, really excited about it. You know, I, I loved working and recruiting. I loved helping these kids. I loved being around our players, but I couldn't see myself doing it in another school. When I left Ole Miss, I had some great opportunities to go to some other Power Five schools, a couple of Group Five schools from some super coaches, but I didn't want to move far away from my family, and I didn't 
uh, think I could be the same version of myself that they wanted at another school. I think the version of myself that I was able to be was because I had Ole Miss on my chest and I wanted Ole Miss to be successful. And uh, so I decided to get out and, and be a normal human being. And uh, so I'm excited about the next chapter. I'm, like I said, I'm going to sell cars at Homer Scone Ford. And if anybody's in the market for a new car, please reach out to me. My, my direct messages are open on Twitter. It's probably the easiest way to reach me or Facebook. Like I said, I'm going to start on May 1st. But uh, if you're in the market for any kind of car, uh, please reach out to me. I'm going to need your business because I haven't had a job in five months and I need some kind of income. <laughs> I need one. Hey, come on, man. Whatever you need, I got you. I'll take yeah. care of you. Could you ever see yourself getting back into it? It's, it's funny you say that. I've had I've talked to a couple other coaches in this past two weeks, other schools, and they, they asked me that question. I tell them no. And they said, well, what if I get the head coaching job at Ole Miss and I want you? Will you come back then? <laughs> yes, it'd have to be the perfect ideal situation. Um, and I would only want to work at Ole Miss, which is – I actually have an agent that is still on contract for May 1st and is very upset with me. And he's going to be more upset with me after this podcast. But uh, it, it would have to be for certain coaches. And it would have to be at Ole Miss. I don't want to work anywhere but Ole Miss. And, uh, but yeah, that's probably, that's, uh, it would be very unique situation. It probably, I'd say one time out a point zero zero one percent, I'd get back in at Ole Miss. Well, stay safe, my friend, and, uh, keep in touch. And if you ever do come back over for a game anytime soon, yeah, I guess uh, we can actually go drinking and stuff. I can, I can go to the Grove and then actually see what game day is about and not be chasing 500 high school kids around and actually enjoy the game. So it might be a, a pleasant change of pace. I may do that one game this, this fall if we have a season. Well, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, Ben, thank you for having me, man. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.